Today, I believe God wants me to wrap up a series that I've been in called The Drugstore Christian. Now, I, I may come back with one more tomorrow, or next, uh, not tomorrow, but next Sunday, but I believe this is it. So, The Drugstore Christian, the subtitle is How to Be the Real Deal. Now, again, we've been looking at uh, this whole idea of, of being a drugstore Christian. We've compared it to being a drugstore cowboy. Now, again, you may be a drugstore cowboy, and that's awesome. We love you. Um, but, but here's the thing. A drugstore cowboy is, is typically someone that is maybe a, a fake imitation of the real deal, right? Um, a fake imitation of the real deal. They may you know, look the part on the outside, but they don't actually live the cowboy lifestyle. Well, sadly, I believe that there are a lot of Christians that maybe do the same thing. Some of you are here today, and you're a drugstore Christian. And I, I say... I'm glad you're here because today you get to hear how to become the real deal. That excites me. You may be thinking, holy crap, I'm going to get exposed. He's going to talk about another thing that I don't do right. (laughs) Again, I don't do these things right either all the time. I am a work in progress just like you, but I desire to be the real deal. And I want to be a church that is the real deal. I want when people walk into our church, they go, that guy's the real deal. When they walk out of this church and they see you at work, I want them to look at you and think, that girl's a real deal. She doesn't just talk it, she lives it. And so that's, that's what, we've, you know, what we've desired out of this, this series. And here's the truth, and this is something I notice you know, as, I, as I meet with people. The, the, there, there are so many drugstore Christians, people that you know, maybe just kind of do the religious thing, but they're not, it's not a relationship, that, that I, I believe it's hard to be the real deal. And this is kind of like a reverse kind of a way of looking at it. But I believe that there are so many people that may be lukewarm in their Christian walk that, that it's almost weird if you actually live a holy life. Does that make sense? It's like, it's like the opposite of what it should be. And, and you say, well, what do, what do you, what do you, what's the point? Well, here's the point. I want to change that. I want to change that. I want those that want to be the real deal to be the norm. I want it to be who we are, what we're known for, not we're the exception to the rule, not, not that one person lives for Jesus. No, we all do. And we all strive to be who God has called us to be. And, and so, again, the goal has always been not, not to, again, make you feel like a sorry sucker, even though it's okay to feel that sometimes because it motivates you to change. But the idea is to show you how to change and how to become the real deal. Some of you guys have not been here for this series. You can listen to them all online. I want to recap real quick and then we'll dive in. Number one was this. The drugstore Christian, they believe in God, but they don't know him. They believe in him, but they don't know him. And you say, well, what's the difference? Again, it, it, there are people out there that I meet all the time that, yeah, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. Yeah, I read, I, I read, I read the Bible growing up. And they, they, they believe in God, but they don't know Him. You know what my goal is? I want people to actually know God. I don't want them just to believe in God. I mean, the, the Bible says that the demons even believe in God, but they don't know Him. They don't, they're not trusted in Him. You say, well, how do I know Him? Well, you experience Him. You, you've, you've experienced His forgiveness and His love and His guidance and, and all the things that come with actually knowing Him. Number two is this. Drugstore Christians, they don't fear God. They don't fear Him. I mean, you say, well, what is fear? I mean, we're we supposed to tremble in our boots because God is so big? <laughs> Some, somewhat, yes. 
<laughs> I mean, really. I mean, I, I've used the example of my mom or my dad. I mean, I feared them in a holy way. Can I get an amen? amen. I mean, I, I always talk about my mom. She, again, she's like 4'11", but she can, she can jack you up. I'm just telling you. I mean, she, is, she, she grew up, she raised three boys, and we were pretty rough around the edges. And my mom, she could take any of us at any point. But she, she usually grabs something to help her. <laughs> whatever it was, whatever was close, like a cast iron pan or something. Anyway, so, but, but at the same respect that, like, we would have for our parents, we ought to have that for God. And, and the love of God, the respect of God ought to equal us fearing Him in a holy way. And that fear of God ought to lead to obedience. It ought to lead to us to want to please Him. Number three was this. Drugstore Christians, they're silent about their faith. Again, it's, it's something that's private to them. It's something, well, you know, I, I keep the faith in the down low, and then I, I mean, I, I just live my life. I, I don't want really anybody to, I mean, my, my faith in God is, is private, so I'm not going to say anything because it's awkward. Listen, the real deal Christian, I mean, we don't, we don't shove it down people's throats, but we love Jesus no matter where we're at. We're not afraid to say his name. We're not afraid to give him glory. That's what it means to be the real deal. And, and the number four was this. Drugstore Christians, they, they aren't a threat to the enemy. Remember this one? Um, they're not a threat to the enemy. Um, I, I, again, I grew up with two older brothers, and so we had a little blood every now and then. Anybody have brothers that, you know, you, had, you were bleeding every now and then? I mean, it was fight, they would trip you, you know, and then they'd laugh at you when you fell on the ground. Anybody? Come on now. I mean, I had brothers like that. And so, I, I mean, again, so when I talk about a fight, when I talk about being a threat to the enemy, I, I want to, I, I can kind of relate to that, I guess, because, because that was how we grew up. But, but here's the thing. We ought to be a threat to the enemy. When we show up at a hopeless situation where everything, all hell's breaking loose, the, the enemy ought to tremble when we show up because we know Christ. We're a threat to what, he's, what the devil's trying to do. And the devil ought to tremble when we open our mouths and we begin to pray. Because he knows that he's going to be defeated because we know Christ. And you say, well, how do I become a powerful Christian? How do I I become a threat to the devil? Here's how you do it. You count the cost because it's going to cost you something. And then you begin to live a righteous life. You say, well, I mean, what does that do? Well, living righteous produces power. It does. Because here's why. Because God uses and God blesses those who live for him. Those who don't live for him, he, he just goes, you're on your own. You're on your own. Now, now, again, does he have grace on us when we're not living for him? Does he welcome us back? Sure, he does. But if you expect him to work for you and to give you the power that he has when you're not living for him, you're fooling yourself. It's just, it's like asking your parents to give you money on the weekend and you've disobeyed them all week. Can I get an amen on that, parents? Come on now. <laughs> so I want to be a threat. I, I want to be a threat to the enemy when he shows up and rears his ugly head and, and there's a fight. Well, today, and, and again, this is probably going to be the last truth that we share, but today I want to I share another truth about, about the drugstore Christian and how to become the real deal. How to become the real deal. Now, I want you to take notes because you're going to want to write this down, okay? But if you don't write it down, it'll be on Facebook. All right. Now, here's the thing. Number five. 
Drugstore Christians pimp God. Now, some of you parents are going, crap, my kids should have gone to children's church. (laughs) This is is why we have ranch kids, so your kids will go down there so that I can talk about things that we all need to talk about. Now, here's the thing. You say, well, what's that mean? Well, drugstore Christians, I believe sometimes we pimp God. Now, the word pimp has changed. I'm going to give you the slang for the pimp. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the slang is, you know, that truck is pimp. I mean, you guys ever heard that? Or that, you, that, that guy, he is the country pimp because he can rock the country style. Now, that's, a, that's the cool part of being a pimp. Now, the, in, in the real, you know, the real um, definition of a pimp, and, I, and again, you're getting an education on this today. I should have wore my, my purple robe. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but the truest definition of a pimp is this. You know, it's, it's usually a man, follow me, uh, usually a man who exploits or uses women for his profit. It, they, they, this is a, a man who uses women that, to only benefit himself. And if a woman's not useful to him or not a profit to him, then he doesn't need her and he just throws her away. It's a sad truth. Stat, it, that's a sad truth. But here's the thing. Sadly, I believe that we do the same things to God. I really do. Many Christians use and they just exploit God. And, and, and here's how we do it. We don't say this out loud, but this is how we live sometimes. As long as we can benefit, we'll love Him. As long as we can get what we think we deserve, we'll serve Him. As long as, you know, as, long as He's useful to us, then we'll come to Him and we'll actually live for Him. But as soon as He's not needed, as soon as He's not you know, a value to us, then we, we forget to worship Him. We push Him aside and we say, well, you know, we'll see you later. We pimp God. Now, here's the thing. You say, well, but how, how do I become the real deal? And how do I not use God just when it's convenient? How do, how do I live this real deal lifestyle? Well, I've got one main point and I've got a few subpoints. It's this. Real deal Christians are full-time the real new Christian isn't a part-time Christian. He's full-time. And, and you say, well, what do you mean by full-time? Well, if I'm full-time at something, I'm going to give all my energy. I'm going to give all my time. I'm going to give all my focus. I'm going to give all my love. I'm going to give you know, my time, all that stuff, because I'm full-time. When I show up at a job or you show up at your job and you're full-time, you give it all you got because you're full-time. You say, well, okay, but what, what is part-time? Well, part-time, you know, that means that I, I give it a side energy. I, I give it, you know, part energy. I, I give it, you know, part-time. I, I'll give what time I have left over if it's convenient for me. That's what it means to be a part-time. Now, you say, well, okay, but what, what's, the, what's the whole idea here? I, I, tell me if this is true, but I believe that we unintentionally sometimes live a part-time Christian life. Here's what we say. We don't say it out loud, but here's what we do with our lives. You, you, you may say, well, I, I'm a full-time rancher. I'm a part-time believer. We say this with our lives. I, I'm a full-time dad. I'm a part-time follower of Christ. I'm a full-time mom, but I'm a part-time follower of Christ. I'm a full-time pastor, but I'm a part-time follow of, follower of Jesus. And you say, well, is that, how does that happen? Even the pastor can be part-time. I mean, you, you following me here? I'm trying to relate, okay? And I, I can relate. 
Because I can get up here, I can stand on this stage, and I can be a full-time pastor. I can tell you all these things. I can walk out. I can do the things that I'm supposed to do, do the things that I get paid to do, and then I can be a part-time follower of Jesus. I, it, it can happen. It's, it's just the way it is. But, but, but that's true for all of us. But here's the truth. God desires for our relationship with Him to be full-time. It should be this. I'm a full-time Christian. I'm a part-time rancher. I'm a full-time follower of Jesus. I'm a part-time mom. I'm a full-time worshiper of Christ who happens to be a pastor. I love it. I love it when I hear people live their lives this way. I love it when I see successful people in the world today that are living full-time Christian lives, but they're a part-time roper. I love it when I hear Tuff Cooper get on, you know, on national television and he's just won the calf rope and he says, all these buckles are cool, but I love Jesus more than these buckles. I love it when I get, you know, when I, when I listen to these sports guys or, you know, successful people and they say, well, this is cool. I mean, I might have won this golf trophy or I might have won this, you know, Super Bowl, but all of that stuff is part time. I'm a full time Christian. I love it. That's a real deal. That's what it means to be full-time. You say, well, how, how do I live full-time? Well, I'll give, you some, I'll give you some points. You ready? The first thing is, full-time followers praise God at all times. Not, not just in the good, but in, in the bad, too. Listen to Psalm 34, verses 1 through 3. It says, I, I praise the Lord at what? All times. I will what? constantly speak his praises. I will boast in the Lord or only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. Do you see what it's saying there? I mean, we should praise the Lord at all times. We should constantly speak his praises. I mean, again, we're caught up in this world and and a lot of the world, they just want to be negative. And I hate negativity, by the way. I know I harp on this sometimes, but I hate negativity. I don't watch the news. We, I, I never watch the news because it's just a bunch of negative stuff. And, and I think they just feed us all this negative stuff. But here's what I believe as a Christian. It's okay to focus on the negative if you've got a solution to the problem and you're going to be a part of the solution. But if all you want to be is negative, shut up. I'm just, I was in Jesus' name. <laughs> <laughs> Did that validate my my uh, my harsh statement? <laughs> but it's true. I mean, it's just true. I mean, the Bible says that we ought to praise God at all times. Does that mean we have hard times? Does that mean we can complain and or we can't complain? Yeah, you can complain, but complain in the right way. Complain at the right time. Complain to the right people. That doesn't mean put it on a billboard. It means go to that person in private and complain and, and say what your issue is. But praise God at all times. I mean, Hebrews chapter 13, 15 says this. It says, through Jesus, therefore, let us what? Continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of lips that openly profess his name. Listen, it says continually. That doesn't mean in the good times praise him, but in the bad times, forget it. It says, praise him. You know, it it, it shouldn't be dependent upon our circumstances. Can I just say it that way? I mean, it's easy to go, God, you're awesome when things are good, but it's hard to do it when it's bad. But it should be. It should be at all times. When things go good, and this is the ironic thing, when things are good, that's usually when we forget God. It's, 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 It's weird. 
I mean, when things go good with my wife, I don't forget her. I love her, and we, we have a good time. I spend time with her. I want to be around her because things are good. But with God, a lot of times, when things go good, we're like, all right, I'll see you. It's just true. I mean, when things are good, we stop praying. When things are good, we stop reading our Bible. When all the calves live and, you know, the babies are all healthy and no one's going to the doctor and the job is, you know, paying good, that's like, man, for some reason, we go the opposite way of God. We forget to read our Bible faithfully. We, we forget to come to church. Um, but, but when things go south, guess what? We pray. I mean, oh, Lord, help me. I mean, this is a struggle. I'm struggling here. And we just run right to him. We pimp him. When things are good, we stop reading our Bible. When things are good, again, we do all those things. But, but when things go south, we scramble for our Bible. Oh, hey, where, where, where did I leave my Bible? Did you grab my Bible? Where's that Bible at? Or, or you know, when things go south, we, get, we come back to church. Oh, man, my life's falling apart. Now I've got to go back to church. And by the way, that's a good thing. But listen, you, you say, Bo, aren't we supposed to, to, to run to God? Aren't we supposed to go to God in the bad times? And the answer is absolutely. Is He gracious? Is He forgiving? Absolutely. But here's the thing. We shouldn't have to run to Him because He should be so close that He's right there near us. It's number, and so that leads to number two. Full-time followers of Christ, full-time followers, they are near to God at all times. They don't just praise Him all the time, but they're, they're near to Him all the time. I don't know about you, but when, when things are going on in my life, I want to be near somebody. When, when, <laughs> when, when I'm eating cake, <laughs> four pieces, I want someone to share it with. I want someone to go down with me. I want someone to gain the weight. <laughs> and so it's like I'm just sharing the wealth. You know what I'm saying? And so when, I, when I'm cold, guess what? I want to snuggle with my wife. I want somebody to be near me. And when I'm hungry, I want to eat some, something together. Um, when I'm happy, I want, to, I want to be near somebody to share that with. When I'm sad, I want to be sad with somebody. Here's the truth. The same should be with God. No matter what circumstance you're in, you ought to go, I want to be near God. I've got to be near God. I've got to be close to Him. It doesn't matter what the circumstance is, I'm going to be close to Him. I want Him right here. Look at Psalm 73. It says this. It says, Those who desert Him will perish. Those, for, those, or for you destroy those who abandon you. But as for me, how good it is to be what? Near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. You hear what he's saying? I mean, the writer's saying it's good to be near God. And you say, but how do I get near God? How, how do I stay close to him? How do I, how, do I, how, is he, how do I keep him right here? Here's how you do it. Simple. Prayer. It's one. And I, can I just tell you, praying's the easy part. It is. I mean, I, I meet a lot of people a lot of times and they're believers in God and they pray. I meet a lot of people and they, you know, they just say, well, I pray every night. I go, you know, I, I, I go to the Lord every night and I pray. And, and, and again, they may not even know God, but, but, but they pray. That's the easy part. Here's the harder part. Um, quiet time. Having a quiet time with God. You say, what's that? I mean, do we, ding, ding, do we, this, I mean, do we, 
this weird Middle East stuff? No, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about spending time with him in a quiet area where you can study his word, where you can read it and you can actually hear his voice without all the distractions around you. You read his word and you chew on it and you say, okay, God, make this nutrient, new, make this, whatever I was just trying to say, make this, give me strength, bring the nutrients out of all this bread that I'm eating and feed me so that I can have strength in you. You know what I'm saying? I screwed that word up, by the way. Give me the nutrients, spiritual nutrients. There, let's, can we cut that out of the video, audio, please? But you read the word, you meditate on it. And then here's the thing. When you're in that quiet time, you go, okay, God, I don't want to just read this. I don't want to just have the knowledge of this. I want you to change me. And you spend that time with God. Here's what happens. When I'm near to God and I spend that time with God, guess what? Life is easier and I have more strength when trials hit. It's just the truth. I'm ready. I'm prepared for whatever. And so you have a quiet time. Here's the third thing that you can do to stay near to God. Attend church weekly. I'm just telling you, and I'm not saying it because I'm the preacher, but if you, if you want to be close to God, then you need to be in church. You know why? Because this is where you stay warm. I know it's cold in here, <laughs> but this is where you stay warm spiritually. Usually the devil, guess what he wants to do to get you out of, you know, out of the church? He'll take you out of the church and he'll make you have a little fun and you'll have a little fun outside the church and you'll skip a few weeks and skip a few months or whatever and then all of a sudden hell will break loose and you'll be as cold as a, you know, whatever. You'll be cold. The only way to get warm again is to, to get back into the fire. This is the fire. You want to be hot for the Lord? You want to be, be on fire for Him? Get back into the fire. Stay in the fire. Come back every week. Not because I'm special, but because Jesus is special. Does that make sense? I mean, you think I'm bragging? I'm not. I'm just saying Jesus is special enough. He deserves it enough. He loves us enough. He's given us enough. I mean, He's worthy of us coming and giving a simple little hour of our time to honor Him. And so we worship him. We actually, and I know some of you guys have the, the, the voice of a crow, <laughs> but we actually sing the songs. How many of you guys have the voice of a crow? You can't sing. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's okay. Hum it. <laughs> hum it or just sing it inside. But, you, but that, that, I'm telling you, when you open your mouth and you actually sing some words that glorify God, it, it'll change you. It will. Maybe you do that in your shower, <laughs> but, but it'll change you. Fellowship, when you come to church and you're actually rubbing shoulders with other believers that love Jesus and that are going to encourage you, that are going to notice that maybe that you're struggling and they're going to lift you up and they're going to pray with you and they're going to you know, encourage you, that's, that's, that's how you come near to God. Listening to the teaching of the Word of God weekly, maybe going home, listening to it again, I mean, just allowing it to penetrate your soul and penetrate your mind. Those are the things that you do to stay near to God. Don't be surprised if you don't do any of these things and you don't feel close to God, it's inevitable. And here's the thing. The amazing things happen when we are near to God. You know what happens when you get near to God? When we're near to God, guess what? We can know his plans. It's true. God has plans for every one of you. Children, listen. God has a special plan for you. Teenagers, listen. God has a special plan for you. And if you will draw near to him, he will show you what that is. 
Some of you single people, I, I've been, I was single for a long time and I, I know the loneliness. I know the time that you, were, you, you just want somebody so bad that you want to be in a relationship so bad. Listen, if you will go near to God, he will show you who that person is. And he, he'll reveal to you the plans that he has for you. Plans not to harm you, but to prosper you. And so you've got to, you've got to get near him. Those, that's an amazing thing that happens. Because here's the thing. The plans of God are only revealed in the presence of God. You can, you can say, well, I want to know his plans. And then you just walk off. You don't listen. You get busy. I'm going to live my full-time job. I'm going to do my full-time work. I'm going to do all this other stuff. And you, but I want to know your plans but I'm too busy to listen. The plans of God are revealed only in the presence of God. And, and, and here's what else. When, when we're near to God, guess what? We can fall into Him when things fall apart. I don't know about you, but I wanna, I, when, I, when things fall apart, I want to be near somebody so they can catch me. Guess who, guess who can do that? No matter if I'm around my wife or not, she's not she's not always going to be able to catch me. No matter who I'm around, no matter how many people I'm around, they're not always going to catch me. You can put your faith in people and they're going to let you down every time. But if you are near to God, you will never fall on your face because he's near you and he can catch you. Will you fall? Yeah. Do we all fall? Yeah. But will he be there if we're near to him? Yeah. It's amazing. It's an amazing thing. When you're near to God, here's what else. You can hear and recognize his voice. When you're near to him. I mean, there are people in my life, and, and I still do this to, the, to this day. I'll call them up and, and I'll say, they'll say hello, and I'll say, hey, it's Bo. And they're like, hey, stupid, I know you. Or, you know, they don't call me stupid, maybe. But, but, they're, like, but they're like, hey, I know it's you. You don't have to introduce yourself. And I'm like, mom. <laughs> You know, thank you for remembering me. Anyway, so, 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 but, but here's the thing. It's the same way with God. When he begins to speak and you're near him, you begin to know his voice. You don't have to go, is this God? Is this what he, is he, is it really him talking? No, because you know his voice. You can recognize his voice. Here's the last thing. When you're near to God, he doesn't have to bring you to your knees because you're already there. You say, how do I spend time with God? Maybe, maybe you need to get on your knees. Maybe you need, to, you need to get on your knees before God and you say, okay, God, I, I just want to be near you. And here's what happens when you get on your knees before God. I'm not talking necessarily physically, but emotionally and spiritually. You get on your knees. He doesn't have to bring you to your knees. Therefore, you can lessen the trials and tribulation that are going to bring you to your knees by being on your knees already. Here's, yeah. Here. Here's, here's what I've learned. I mean, again, I, I, I feel like sometimes I, the only time that I go to God and I, because I pimp him is when things are bad. So guess what he has to do to get me to come near him? He allows bad things to happen. Because he loves me enough and he wants to spend time with me. The only time that I'll come to him is when things are bad. So here's what I've learned. If I get on my knees before the bad things happen, I'm already there. And even if the bad things still happen, I'm, st- I'm on my knees. And guess what? When I'm weak, he's strong. He who kneels most stands best. I'm telling you. 
So you say, well, how do I get near to God? I mean, what are the benefits? Those are the benefits. And some of you are thinking, you know, Bo, I'm pretty rough. I'm a pretty rough gal. I'm not, I'm not your average sweet pea. I mean, I've said some things. I've done some things. I've been places. I've smoked some things. I've drank some things. I've done all these things. And how the heck do you think God is going to want to be near me? I'm just telling you, he wants to be near you. And guess what? He, he doesn't mind your filth. He doesn't mind the smell. He doesn't mind the, the sin in your life. Because here's why. He can cover you. He can wash you. He can love you. He can forgive you if you will come near to him. The Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 8, Come near to God and he will come near to you. You'll never be good enough to come near to God, but he says, come anyways. Come anyways. So here's the question. How near are you to God? Is he right here? Is he this close? Can you hear his voice? Or if you were to fall, would he be able to catch you? I mean, again, how near is he to you? Do you just pimp him? Do you just say, oh, I'll use him when, he's, when things are bad, when that breakup happens and this relationship goes south, or, you know, when my kids twist off, then I'll come to God, and then I'll come back to church, or when the life isn't so fun, I'll come back to church, and all that stuff. Are you actually going to love him and serve him no matter what? That's what God desires. Are you a full-time follower or a part-time follower? I believe that God wants you to be full-time. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to bow your head. Close your eyes for just a second. How many of you guys would say, you know what, Bo, and nobody's looking around, but how many of you guys would say, Bo, I I am guilty of, of using God only when I need him? How many of you guys would say that? Raise your hand. It's okay. Yeah. Lots of people all across the barn. Yeah, thank you. You can put your hands down. Listen, we're all guilty of that at some point in our lives. But the, the desire is that you, that you, that it be the exception, not the rule. And so here's the thing. Maybe you need to pray this prayer of commitment. Right there in your chair, just to, just to the Lord in your heart. Maybe you just need to pray these things. Lord, help me to be a full-time follower Lord I, I want to be near you all the time Lord I, I, I want to know your plans I want to find your comfort and I want to hear your voice So, Lord, I commit today to stop being a drugstore Christian. And with your help, I want to become the real deal. Listen, I pray that if you're a Christian here today, that you made that commitment. You might be abnormal. People may look at you because you're, you're, you know, you're the real deal and you actually live a, a holy lifestyle and a, and a lifestyle that honors God no matter what circumstance you're in or no matter where you are. But it's worth it. 
It's worth it. And it's what changes lives. When people see the real in you, they're going to want the real Jesus. When people see you living a full-time Christian life, being a part-time cook or a part-time rancher or a part-time teacher or part-time all this other stuff, they're going to go, man, I want that. Person's the real deal. And so here's what you need. If you made that commitment today, you need to also pray, Lord, give me the strength to fulfill this commitment. Because it's not easy. It's not easy. Some of you are here today and, and, and you don't know if you're the real deal because you don't know Jesus. Here's the thing. You can begin a relationship with him today. Jesus loves you no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done. And he wants to forgive you and bring you in to his family of believers. He wants to love you just like you are. Is he going to change you? Absolutely. Will it be for your benefit? Absolutely. And so you say, Bo, how do I become the real deal? How do I show that, that, that I, I, I love him? Well, you give him your life. You say, how do I do that? Well, here's how you do it. You, you confess him as your Lord. You believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead and you will be saved. So maybe you need to do that right now. Maybe in your own seat right now, you just pray this simple prayer. Jesus, I, I want to be the real deal. And I know that, that the only way that I'm going to be the real deal is to confess you as my Lord. And so right now, I confess you as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sin and help me to live for you. Listen, maybe you just prayed that for the first time in your life. You are now in a personal relationship with Jesus. You say, I don't have to do anything else. I don't have to join this church. I don't have to you know, pay my tithe. I don't have to do any of that stuff. No, all that stuff, all that stuff is, is later. Right now, you, you give your life to him. And so if you just did that, you have now began a personal relationship with with Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, and He will make you the real deal. It's all because of Him. But here's what we ask you to do. You need the church. You need fellow believers, people that are going to love you, they're going to they're help you in your time of need, that are going to laugh with you and, work, and, and, and be beside you when things are good and, and, and help you fight the fight against the enemy. And so here's what we ask you to do. It's simple. Grab the card on your chair. Fill it out. Place it in one of these yellow buckets so that we can come alongside of you and we can help you. We can rejoice with you. and We can, we can give you the ammunition that you need to kill the enemy. You need the church. Whether you think you need them or not, you need the church. You say, but I don't have a card. Text your name. That's all you got to do. Text your name to the number on the screen and we'll contact you. It's that simple. We're going to show you the next steps that you need to take to become the real deal. To grow in your relationship with Jesus. Lord, I come to you right now and I thank you. I thank you for the real deal Christians that are here today. Not perfect, but real. Real. 
I thank you for those that are, that are, that are in the struggle, that are in the fight, that have joined the fight and that are fighting to, to be a difference maker, that are fighting to be a full-time follower, not just a part-time. They're fighting to be uh, the real deal Christian, not just a drugstore Christian. And so, Lord, today I thank you for them. May we walk together and may we show people that it's, it's not something weird to love Jesus. It's, it can be the norm. It can be super, supernaturally normal. So, Lord, help us to do that. Lord, I pray for those that maybe are drugstore Christians that have, that have just kind of lived the religious game, maybe put on their cool clothes to come to church, and now they've figured out that that's not what it's all about. I pray that they have committed to become the real deal. So, Lord, use us. Use this amazing church to change the world. And we'll give you all the glory. It's in your holy name I pray. Amen. Thank you guys. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Bo Haig at Thousand Hills Ranch Church in Woodward, Oklahoma. Please join us next Sunday at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Woodward Livestock Auction. 